Welcome to Vox Vomitus, also known as Word Vomit. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Vox Vomitus, also known as Word Vomit. I am your host, author Jennifer Ann Gordon, author of Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent, as well as the Hotel series. Today, I'm joined by two vixens, my Vox Vomitus vixen, Alison Martine, author of the Bourbon books, and guest vixen of the day, Deborah K. Shepard, author of So Happy Together, her debut novel, which came out yesterday. Yeah. Hi, Deborah. Welcome, Deborah. Hi, thank you. Um, I'm really happy to be here. When my when my publicist told me the name of your podcast, I was so excited because I thought it was so neat. And then I watched some of your videos just so I could get acquainted with what you did. And I have to say, I thought maybe she had fallen on her head after she booked me for this because <laughs> I wasn't sure I was going to show up. Because oh. I, heard you, I heard you introduce, Jennifer, I heard you introduce Allison as your Vox Vomitus victim. <laughs> I went, I am oh a horror God. writer. Like, yeah. You know, they write like creepy stories. Is this, are they going to prank me? What's going to happen when I come on this show? But, I, you know, I'm older than probably most of your guests and uh, things start to go stop working when you get a little older and I wasn't hearing correctly so I I understand you said vixen because by the third time I heard not victim but vixen so I brought my I brought my vixen mask today I love the vixen mask I'm not going to do the interview with it but I just wanted you to <laughs> I mean we dressed up on our Halloween episode so I was a cat know. cool <laughs> I was like some weird crow princess. I wore feathers and a crown. I don't nice. know what I I don't know what I was. Um but What's funny is when you said it sounded like I said victims, I do have a, a speech impediment. I have a small speech impediment that I worked really hard in college. I went to school for theater uh, to Me get too. over it, but now I'm lazy because I don't do theater anymore. So every once in a while, victims, vixens. No, no, no. It was my hearing and I have my hearing aids in tonight, so we should be good. <laughs> Well, and I laugh because sometimes you watch the replay and they'll have the auto captions and the things it turns our title into, sometimes it is box vomit, sometimes it is fox vomit. So that, the match would work probably either way. Fox vomit would work with you know, the vixen thing, right? right? The fox vomit vixen. The fox vomit vixen. That's a, like our punk band name. <laughs> my, my son is a it's a punk rock. He's in a punk rock band, yes. Well, That's and I was laughing. Day job. Well, I was laughing when you were worried that we were going to prank you or something because my five-year-old, who is not in a punk band, but probably could be because he's loud enough, his favorite thing is just to run up and yell, I pranked you. He doesn't know what a prank is yet. And he's the reason I can't hear anything because I'm not <laughs> old enough that I should be losing my hearing, but I can't you know, hear anything. It, happen. to me. it happens. It happens. Right? It happens. Yeah. So, Deborah, your book released yesterday, your debut novel, that's incredibly exciting yes good good showcase the book allison um can you tell our listeners and our people who are watching us live a little bit about your book with no spoilers with no spoilers so i have to do a little bit of a backstory first so i can segue into the book because i wrote this book um 34 years ago i started it 34 years ago when you were two years old when i was two years old well prodigy <laughs> thank you um, I had, I, my marriage was unraveling. Um, we were having financial difficulties. We were, uh, 
our house had been under construction renovation for many, many years. I was living in a construction site. I had one teenager and I had one who one my daughter thought she was a teenager and I just wanted to escape. And so I started fantasizing about an earlier love and, you know, what if, what if. Um, what would my life be like? Maybe if I found him again, I would be happy. Maybe if I found him again, I would get my creative spark back because I was a playwright in college. Uh, I wasn't doing anything but, you know, grocery lists and how then to do lists. And I had, you know, my kids. So um, I thought, what if I just left? But I didn't. I wrote about somebody who left. I stayed and I, I wrote the book. And so, um, so that's sort of segueing into, um, this is a story about a woman who gets to be 40 something and realizes that um, her marriage is unraveling. She's lost her creative spark. Um, she's looking for something, something to quench it again. Um, she has a nightmare about, uh, about her college boyfriend, her college love. And she takes that as a sign that he needs her. But, you know, of course, she's got the three kids. And, but conveniently, her kids are going off to summer camp. So she decides after she drops the kids at camp, instead of going driving back to her husband in Connecticut, she's going to drive across the country to North Dakota to find Peter, her old love. Now, keep in mind, this was pre-cell phone, pre-social media. How did she even know he was still there? But... Maybe she was a little delusional, but she did take off. And so that's <laughs> just, a, just a little. We can say instead of delusional, she was passionate and she driven by passionate. Oh, I like her that. whims. I, like I that. a little bit thought she's going menopause crazy, which <laughs> which happens. <laughs> possible, possible. I have a little funny menopause story about for for the book about the book. So I, after, after, okay, so I wrote this book, I sent it out to, I didn't even send it to an editor or an agent or a proofreader. I put it in a box and I sent it off to a publisher whose name I found in Writer's Digest. This is 34 years ago, right? Of course it came back in the same box, which I still have. It's an artifact. Here's the box. Right? Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I, I took that as a sign that I, you know, I'm not a writer. I just, you know, this, I must be terrible. I put it in the box and I never looked at it. And meanwhile, I got a divorce. I moved from upstate New York. I fell in love with somebody else. I moved to New Jersey. We moved to Maine and it followed me from closet to closet and I never opened it. So well, yeah, you never opened never it when it came back it again, never opened it again. Nope. So you didn't even know if there were maybe notes inside it or it just came back completely. No, open. No, no, actually, I, op I did open. I did open it. Okay. To see there was nothing. Like probably they hadn't even read it and it went in the box, it went in the carton. So um, meanwhile, I had a whole career. I was a social worker. I, I was a director of um, a domestic violence program. And when I retired in 2014, um, I had been writing grants and, and, and uh, reports and they were so detailed and, you know, like it, they were for the federal government. So I would say I would have to write like, uh, dear federal government, I used, I only use the paper clips that you funded, that you paid for in this project that you funded and not in any other part of the agency. And it was making me crazy. So when I came home, when I retired, I said, you know, I'm not writing it ever again. I'm just going to write nothing longer than a grocery list. And then a couple of years later, um, I started taking notes and I said to my husband, I said, you know, I think I'm writing a novel. He said, do you remember that piece of juvenilia you wrote 
many years ago. Juvenalia. Juvenalia? Yeah, he's a little snarky. He's a little snarky. Wait, what defines it as juvenalia? Because juvenalia refers to being like a child. Well, he was, you know, yeah, I know. But he was being snarky. It was like, this is not for children. No, 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 not at all. No, juvenilia, juvenilia is something I think a young writer will write. Yeah. Okay. You know, right, not, no, no, not, not for children. A young, okay. writer, a young writer would write it and you'd never want to look at it again because it's so awful. That kind of, that kind of writing. Yeah. Right? The Vox Vomitus. <laughs> it's the Vox Vomitus. <laughs> so anyway, so I, he said, remember, he said, why don't you pull it out and um, it, maybe you can get some stuff from that one and put it into the new one and you wouldn't have to work so hard. And I don't normally take his advice, but this time I did. <laughs> and I pulled it out and I read it and I went, this is not so bad. Not so, not great, but not so bad. So it was, it had been written on a word processor and you're probably too young to remember what those are. Used no, one. Used one in college. <laughs> Okay. College. <laughs> all right. So it's on a word processor. Of course, I had to retype it, all 350 pages of it. And I did a little editing and I did a little a little tweaking, I guess. And it wasn't, it was not a second draft. It was probably a draft and a half. And then I took some workshops uh, with Maine Writers and Publishers Association. And I found this wonderful, wonderful developmental editor. Um, and she, uh, and I started working with her. And she gave me homework and I had to write scenes and beats and prompt and, you know, and it made me a little crazy. And and I would do a version and she'd say, yes, but what about, oh, where's the emotional core? And I'm going, what? (laughs) What's an emotional? I don't know. So um, anyway, so I finally, I finally, I I thought I was done and I handed it to her and I said, it's done. And she looks at it and she goes, nope, not a novel yet. And then I, by then I was whining, of course. You know, what do you mean it's not a novel? She said, where's your inciting incident? I, I said, read that in your book, and yeah, I love I, this story. I said, what's an inciting incident? <laughs> she explained. She didn't just throw her hands up and go. She explained. I'm done with you. <laughs> so I said, well, listen, I just, I just read this book by this well-known writer, and there was no inciting incident in there because... It was just this woman going through menopause and she took a road trip. And my editor said to me, what? And you don't think menopause is an inciting incident? So, (laughs) preach. Right? So I went home and in one day I wrote a kick-ass inciting incident. I tacked on a prologue and... Then, uh, then I went to the agent who was, I went to this, I sent it out to agents for about six months, kept coming back. Um, I went to a couple of pitches. I went to this one pitch where, um, the agent was probably about somewhere between the ages of 12 and 18. And, um, (laughs) she said, I really like this. She said, but I don't, I don't represent historical fiction. And I was horrified because I said, what do you mean historical fiction? This is my life. I grew up, you know, I came of age in the 60s and the 80s. She goes, I said, this is not historical fiction. She said, it is in publishing. It's basically equivalent now of when you're walking in the grocery store and you hear the Muzak version of the music we listened to in high school. And we're like, that's not, what did you do to my childhood? Yeah, when they call it oldies. And you're like, oldies. Oldies. So, you know, I'm an oldie. And, uh, you know, my debut novel came out yesterday and i'm 74 so i'm pretty pretty psyched about that so um, you should be psyched about it yeah yeah Yeah. well and and i noticed on your webpage you had said you know it's a book 
gestating 30 years. And I loved hearing that. And of course, the analogy of it's a baby and this is how long it took for it to get seen. But it spent a lot of that time gestating in a box. Which just makes in a box. It's an box. incubator. You did. And then I, I did. years. Yeah, 30 years. Um, but I decided that I would um, I would go with a hybrid publisher, She Writes Press, which is a wonderful, wonderful press, you know. And, um, you know, they give the authors a lot of control and ownership, and they do traditional um, traditional distri- distribution. And, um, you know, and they even let you choose the covers. Even they, they give you like, <gasps> nine covers to choose from. They gave me nine covers, and I hated every single one of them. <laughs> And then I gradually, you know, I thought, well, I'm not going to immediately like knee jerk tell them I hate them because I want them to like me because I'm a people pleaser. Right. And um, so I sat with it for a while and gradually this this cover sort of spoke to me because it does it does tell a story. On it the does. Because it does. You've, got, you've got a road trip down here. You've got mm-hmm. you've got your lead. um character here who did not look like this in college but her husband decided she'd look better with a nose job and then she straightened her hair and it looked like your hair Jennifer well I I related to her so much just the physical description of her of the bump on the nose the frizzy wiry hair and everything about her husband thought her nose would look better smaller her husband thought her hair would look better straighter her husband thought her hair would look better blonder and i think we've all been in that relationship and i read those words and like touched the bump on my nose that i make one character that's my nose i make one character in every book i write have a nose bump and it always comes up (laughs) <laughs> well, anyway, so so and this picture, and then, and then you got your little, you know, psychedelic parts up there, and I thought, you know, this is perfect. The only thing is, it's pink and blue, and I can't stand pink and blue. But I said to, so I said, could we change the colors? Could we make the letters green? And they said, no, the artist has this concept. I said, fine, we'll go with it. But now I notice there's so many pink and blue books out there, including uh, a bestseller now that's a big that has a big controversy about, uh, around it. Um, what is it, uh, Gina Frangello's book, um, Blow Your House Down, which had a terrible review by Danny Shapiro in the New York Times book review, and now it's selling like hotcakes. But she, her book was pink and blue, so I'm, I'm going with pink and blue. Yeah. I was going to say, do I have to go change my shirt? No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I have to, you know. <laughs> well, and I was, I was laughing because Jen was saying she related so hard to this character, and I'm picturing her as Jen because you basically described her. And it's, it's very common where you will read. And a lot of times characters are written, especially protagonists, where they're almost intentionally amorphous, where it could be almost anybody. So the reader can do a reader insert. You didn't do that. You made a very concrete person that was flesh that and blood. That was me. And it was Jen. And uh, But it was done so well that I could read her and go, oh my, and she's in theater. This is about Jen. Is Jen a time traveler? But that's <laughs> where I was, that's where I was getting it. So you did oh, a very... That is so, that is so cool. Yeah. It was funny because like, so Allison was a little bit ahead of me during the reading process and there were times that she would just message me and she was like, uh, you're going to relate to certain parts of this <laughs> too much. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> and then I related to, yeah, we have similar but different backgrounds. Jen has a theater background. I always refer to myself as 
theater adjacent, as in someone I was very close to was in the theater and on the stage, and I was the one in the audience and definitely not on stage. And I am no longer married to that person. So <laughs> there are places where I could relate to some of this stuff a lot. <laughs> and that's just a sign of like, you know, obviously a, a good story that you created characters, um, yourself included, because you, it's Sims kind of autobiographical. I was, a dra- I was a drama major. Right. You know, it's certain aspects are based on all books are autobiographies, right. you know, honestly. Um, but we're just all the characters. So you've created a book that Alice and I, from different backgrounds, we both are relating to different aspects of this character. So that is, you know, bravo. Oh, thank you. That's I've gotten great. reviews that people say, I couldn't relate to any of your characters and, and I hated all of them. And I'm like, oh, hmm, okay. Well, you know, I've, <laughs> over the years I've grown a thick skin. So if I get reviews like that, oh, well. Well, and it's, it's a good thing you have that experience to go, okay, you know what? I don't have to please everybody. I think the biggest thing was, were you happy with it? Because you told us about how it was when you started and then you went with this developmental editor. How much did it change besides getting that prologue and that inciting incident? Like if we were to read Book Box and this one. Book no, Box. Book Box. Sorry. Book Box. Book Box. <laughs> the story was pretty much the same. Um, they, when I first met my developmental editor, she, um, I brought a scene and she read, she did a, a workshop. I brought a scene in and she, her critique was, cause, and it was, uh, Carol, my main character talking about her husband uh, in a scene with her husband, Jack. And she goes, this guy is like one dimensional. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see what she saw in him in the first place. So I had to make him more human. So mm-hmm. in that respect, yeah, things changed. I really did did uh, zero in on an emotional core. And also, in the beginning, it, the first book, Carol, was a character where things happened to her. Mm, so and she didn't have a whole lot of agency. She didn't have not a, a whole lot of agency. But as the book evolved, she had a lot more agency. So that part changed. The basic story didn't. But I'm sure a things still happened to her. A couple couple trips still happened oh, yeah. to her. A couple trips, a couple trips. Yep. Yeah. Seeing eye, Allison. Read the comments. Oh, sorry. I'm the one who wears the glasses to read what's going on here. Lori Schoenfield says, yes, absolutely. Each story is an autobiography to some extent. I love wondering what part is the author. Yes. I love that too. Um, so obviously your theater background is a mm-hmm. huge part of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so that part is autobiographical. And I, there's another part I want to ask if it's autobiographical, but... I'm just going to the, okay. the, the, your, the character, your main character ingests a hallucinogenic. She substance. does. She does. Because I mentioned trips. This was the 60s. It was the 60s. This was the 60s. And um, it's set in Tucson, Arizona, where there's a lot of stuff like that. And yes, she did. And. and oh, yes, I did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my grand, my grandson. I was being a little like, more circumspect mm-hmm. last night at my book launch because my two grandsons were were, were attending, and they are eleven and thirteen. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I, I was like, I'm just going to leave the question hanging there. Pregnant pause, um, because I don't know if you're like, oh, son, grandkids, watch, watch Grammys. Yeah, yeah, no. 
You're um, you're cutting out. Jen, you just got quiet. Repeat what you just said, Jen. Oh, a phone call came in, even though I have my phone on Do Not Disturb. <laughs> okay, okay. So anyway, uh, yeah. So it was Deborah's grandkids calling. I know. You just made my Grammy admit that she did drugs in the 60s. It was the 60s. And I say on the back, you know, set in the sex, drugs, and rock and roll 60s. Yeah. So, you know. There you go. Not have that. Um, and uh, it was my one and only because it was a terrible trip. It was quite similar to the one. Well, and I didn't want to point out if because I didn't want to spoil what happens for Caro there, but she is not having a magic wonderland when <laughs> at all. So if anything, people would read that and go, maybe I won't do drugs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, as somebody who has also had a, has ingested in the past when I was in high school, uh, something similar to this. Uh, yeah, I got it. It was just yeah. like, oh, and then of course, you know, like there's always, you always have like cooler friends who all of a sudden are just like, oh, by the way, we're not tripping. And you're like, what? <laughs> but <laughs> what is happening? But the, that was the night that Carol met Peter. So yes. he, he saved her from that trip. So, you know. He got her tacos afterwards. He did. He did. I loved all the Mexican food talk. I, I just have food. to say, I was like starving. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna make nachos. food and great music. You know, it was a great, really, it was a great time to be alive. I have to say. Well, and you made a lot of references to the different music going on, which is perfect then because I, I can't look at this and not start singing. Because, I mean, ahead. that's go where you go. Go ahead, sing. And Do it. And you and me and you and you <laughs> and me, no matter how we toss. Okay, I'll stop. Yeah, <laughs> the thing about somebody me. asked me about the title, the thing about the title, you know, it's a very bouncy kind of pop sugar song right yeah but well the the, the the music is but the the lyrics are really lyrics about yearning and yeah. wanting to have something that's out of reach so i think that's very very appropriate for the for the book it well it's, per it's perfect for the book and it worked perfectly but i definitely i saw the title and i wouldn't have necessarily guessed what the book is about so it's good that the the back actually tells you more than that because if someone's like, oh, so this is an upbeat love story. And then you actually start reading the book and you're going, oh, this is not what I said. No, no, you, you, you need to read the back. You need yeah. to read the back. <laughs> You'll be surprised. I know you, your book's been out one day, but you will be surprised how many people will buy your book, not read the back and then say, I thought this was going to be blah, blah, blah. And you're like, the first line of the back cover just like right. says what it is. I, I read a wonderful thing. It was posted on Facebook by um, an author who had gotten her first one star review. And she um, and the, 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 the criticism was the author should have told us that the, the lead character was gay. Yes. So she, you know that one? So she took yeah, the, those. the thing and she put it up on her Facebook. And she put it in ads. She put it in ads, actually. Amazon yeah, we've seen Facebook ads. And she made, you know, she sold more copies in the, in the you know, next week than, than she did the whole, you know, year before. Exactly. It was so great. I just, well, I, oh, my first bad review, I, you're, you're always going to remember your first bad review. And mine was for Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent. And it was, this book is sad and depressing and blah, blah, blah. But the first line of like the book blurb on the back is Adam, a young alcoholic, slowly descends into madness after the death of his wife and son. <laughs> Sounds like a joyride to me. And that's, the person was just like, it was so sad. Like, all of the characters were sad. 
And I'm like, I described every character on the back of that book, and it was a book about grief. <laughs> well, and I was even going to say, what you were saying earlier about the developmental editors and sending it off to agents, I know Jen had shared previously at one point, someone had read her first book and was like, your main character, you know, could you make him funnier? And it's like, he's, he's a depressed alcoholic who lost his wife and his son. Yeah, he should be just a laugh riot. I know. They were like, he needs to be like snarky and cracking some jokes. And I'm like, that is not who he is. But it, it no. sounds like the, the editor you had, Deborah, was working with what you had there to bring these characters more fully formed. Wasn't trying to change the direction of any of them, right. but just bring them. Because I would say you mentioned that maybe Jack in the first draft didn't feel as fully functional and fully functional. Now he sounds like an asteroid. Sorry. <laughs> but I, I mean that he maybe wasn't a complete character. And I do like how, as the book goes on, and this is not a spoiler, he becomes more three-dimensional because she is thinking more about some of their parts of their relationship. Whereas where her mind is at the very beginning of the book, it's almost like he is only three-dimensional or he is only two-dimensional. And he's just this person next to her who has sucked every good part of her out and has left her this empty husk of a shell. And there's a line, I, I marked it, I'm not going to find it, but I think I remember it. She says at some point that she she notes she is complicit in her own erasure. Yes. And I, oh, that just hit me so hard because on one hand, she is blaming him for this, but she also realizes she's done this to herself. And if she wants to reclaim who she is and reclaim that creative spark and her identity, she needs to make a change. And whether that's dropping the kids off at camp and leaving or something else, it's going to be good. <laughs> Not every change needs to be that drastic. No, People who no, are listening no. to this, you know, yes. uh, you know, you could just make, you could have bangs. <laughs> my hairstylist is watching i'm not doing bangs laura don't talk to me. <laughs> like you could just you just need bangs she's yeah. also one of my critique partners and <laughs> she would she would stop me from she can pull off the bangs i cannot but i did want to mention you would you talked a little bit about she writes press which is you said a hybrid publisher and i'm not sure everybody watching necessarily knows what that is because the terms have changed and even the idea of having a hybrid publisher i don't even know if they existed 15 20 years ago so can you tell a little bit about what, what that process was like and what's different from, say, sure. an indie press or traditional well, publishing? It is, it, is an indie, it is an indie press in a way. Um, and I think people might, when they hear hybrid press, they might think of vanity press. Yes. And, and that is... It's a different beast. That is a, Vanity press is you pay money and they, they will publish you no matter how good or bad it is. And they don't do any kind of distribution or anything. You're kind of on your own. Um, when I was, when I was, uh, thinking about public, you know, publishing the book, when I'd finally finished it and wrote the end, um, I thought maybe for less than, less than half a second about self-publishing and then realized that I needed my grandson to set up my author page on Facebook. And I would not, I would not, he was, you know, when he was 12, I would not do well with, you know, my head is popping off with some of this publicity and marketing technology stuff. So that was not a question. And then I related what my story was with the 12-year-old agent and, and all the other agents. <laughs> also, I didn't feel like I had, you know, 10 or 12 years to wait for an agent to pick me up and then another 10 years for the agent to sell it, you know. To and and just, just so you know, and people watching, she says 10 or, 10, 10 or 12 years, and that may be a slight exaggeration, but one of my close friends just recently signed after six years of querying. So it happens and that is very possible. And it's not even about, Oh, but if your book is good enough, it's like, no, it's like you're trying to win this lottery, this really weird blind dating system where you need a, 
an, uh, an agent who likes this particular book that they think that is marketable right now in this tiny sliver of time. And yeah, it's, it's crazy hard. So, so anyway, sorry, go on. My age, I didn't feel like I had that kind of time to, so I, 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 uh, I heard a panel discussion and there was an author, um, who had, who had uh, published with She Writes Press, and I was really impressed. And uh, she and I, she lives in my town, she and I had coffee and we she talked about it. And, um, you know, she also gave me the caveats and the, and the sort of the downside, which is there is an outlay of money by the author at the beginning. But in exchange for that, you get more control, you get more ownership of the, of the book, you get a, a, distribu- you know, a traditional distribution through Ingram, um, you get beautiful covers. If you go on, if you go, if you Google, um, she writes press 2021, you'll see my cohort and, and the covers are fantastic. They're very professional. Um, and, uh, and then you, you know, you, they're very, they're also selective, which makes it very different from a vanity press. So I, I was fortunate that, that they signed me and, um, I did pay them some money. And um, it's costing more and more money with paying for publicity and, you know, and, and social media. But it's so worth it because as my, my friend who, you know, who also published for this, she said she, it was like throwing myself a wedding, that kind of fuss. And since, since in both of my marriages, I didn't have a wedding, I, lo- I eloped. I figured, you know what, at this point in my life, I deserve a wedding. So I'm married to my book. And, I love it. Yeah. You know, Oh, you know, and the point for me is not making money. The point for, it would be nice to sell a few, but the point really is that I get to hold this. I get to hold this book, right? And I've done it. And other people can hold it. Yeah, right. like and, we're holding it. Like we, the, there's books. Yeah, the other thing about <laughs> She Writes Press is um, when I finished the book, I was kind of a little cocky, like, here I am. I'm 74 years old. It's my debut novel. I'm so unique. And then I real, realized when 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 um, when I signed with She Writes and we have our we have a website that we sort of support each other on Facebook a Facebook page, and I realized there were so many women my age who maybe have raised their kids, have retired, and have always wanted to write a book. So I had there were a number of debut authors who were in their seventies, in their eighties. There's one woman in the cohort. There's one woman in this cohort who um, has written three books. And she's debating whether she should write a fourth, and she's 90. So, I say write it. Great. Write it. Write it. It keeps you young. Exactly. And she's, she is. So so anyway, so, so I'm not unique, but you know what? I have this fabulous community of women. And it's um, other than having holding my book in my hands, that is the best thing about this publishing company that I have. The, everybody, they all have each other's backs. And I just posted something yesterday, my, my book launch day about how grateful I was for all of them and that I do this kind of meditation where I um, I breathe in support and love and I for, for all of them and I from them and I breathe out uh, gratitude and love for all of them. I got 90 people commenting on that Facebook on that post, right? Because- I love that. I love yeah. it because we have to be there for each other. We really do. This is I you know I, I feel this in my soul and I understand your misget, like your uh, apprehension about self-publishing, because so Allison and I are both self-published authors, but we also both have agents and are working on 
other projects and Allison is out on submission with a different book uh, with her agent. So we've, we've got like a foot in both ponds or on both weird slippery icebergs. Uh, yeah. And there's I'm just picturing like a boat and a dock and I'm just falling over. It's fine. So self-publishing, which I love because I love being an indie author and I've loved being an indie author so far. It, the hours you put into it, are incredible. You understand this. Like, and that's why I didn't go there because, and you know, Allison and I were actually talking about that last night because we were like, okay, we don't know a lot about hybrid publishing. And, and we both said like, but can you put a price? Like the, what is our hourly rate for what we do as an indie author? Um, I'm very lucky now I have a great publicist. So that took a lot of my time off my, (laughs) like, I'm like, Oh, but I mean, I still pay my publicist worth every penny. Right. But, at but least exactly. Now, but but, but and it's like, like the hybrid put together. Well, it's just to say the hybrid, it's like it gathers all the services that someone needs to have in order to be successful and has a team of cohesive people doing it for you versus those of us who don't have that behind us are doing it kind of piecemeal and happenstance and going, okay, I have this person doing my covers. This person does my editing. This person does my formatting. I do this for publicity. I pay these promotional things and it it does add up, but it's not that immediate thing. So for some people it might be, well, I don't have that kind of money saved up to, to do this. I'm going to have to do it piecemeal. And some people go, well, I can do some of these things on my own. But like you said, if, if you're going, I can't, I need my grandson to set up my Facebook page. So much of this is technology based. Exactly. And that having someone else deal with it. Right. It's not, it's not, in, it's not intuitive for me. You know, it's, it's a different mm-hmm. language. And, you know, my, you know, my grandson's night, they can just, I was having trouble. My, my, something, my, uh, my email was on one, like one side of my computer and I couldn't, I couldn't find, get it over. And he said, just click on the gray thing at the top and move it. <laughs> and I was trying to do those arrows, you know, and it wasn't working. <laughs> But it, but it, because it's intuitive for those kids because they've grown up with it. You know, he could he could pick up a phone and do Angry Birds when he was three, even though he'd never seen it before. You know, because kids. I can't do I can't do Angry Birds I now. Can't do any of those things. No, so, but you so you feel me, like it been, it would have been sort of head popping off every single day of my life. And oh, so totally. for me, it was you know I was fortunate to 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 be able to have the money to do it, even though my husband complains a lot. And you know, and the thing is especially with this last year with COVID, right? We couldn't go anywhere. We couldn't go out to dinner. I didn't get my hair cut. We had a lot. We saved a lot of money. So I justified it by, you know. Putting well, it the book. And I would even say when you said travel, that's exactly what I thought. Uh, one of my friends from from the querying trenches, we started around the same time with this. She's been trying to write picture books and the picture book market is just flooded. And ultimately, she never thought she could self-publish because she doesn't draw. And finally, she saw someone else go, oh, you know what? You can hire someone and pay them to do the illustrations for you, and you can still self-publish. And she's like, "Mm, I want to make sure I get it done right. And she realizes this girl used to travel the globe. She hasn't gotten to go anywhere. So all the money that she would have been spending traveling, she's paying an illustrator to do. We haven't gone on any trips. I said, you know what? We saved X amount of money there. Yep. Yeah, uh, that's I use that for my advertising budget for this mm-hmm. year, where I was like, you know, I'm just going to take out the really expensive book bub ad because I didn't go to Europe this year the way yeah, I normally do. And, <laughs> and my husband says, when and I'm this bitter. Movie gets turned into a movie, we can, and I'm going, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it could happen. It could happen. Nobody knows what's happening, but yeah, if it happens, the lottery, then but I don't no. buy lottery tickets, you know, so. 
Well, we have interviewed on this show a lot of best-selling authors. We've interviewed a lot of indie authors. And even the indie authors, we have interviewed people who have movie deals in the works. And these are people who are self-published or very small press published. So never say never. Your book came out yesterday. I know. I know. know. (laughs) And it's a beautiful product. You know, like it's, it's well done. It's well written. It looks good. It's, and I know this is going to sound silly to non-book people, but non-book people aren't listening to this. It feels good. No, doesn't it? I really like the way it feels. The cover, the cover feels a little velvety. Yeah, it does. It does. So if no other reason, <laughs> just buy my book because it feels velvety. Just feels velvety. <laughs> we had... Um, can, I, can I use that line? You can. <laughs> we, we had uh, an author on two weeks ago, Jennifer McMahon, and her book cover was so beautiful. It was like iridescent. And on it, like the whole interview, I'm like, look at it. It looks like water. Like you buy it just for that. And Jen had not dropped acid first. I had (laughs) not. And I have not done that since I was a very young (laughs) teenager. (laughs) Past and all of it. It's totally fine. You can talk about it. I know. Well, maybe my publicist and my people would be like, please stop talking about dropping acid on your TV show. You're right. So, so yeah. So, so book launch was last night. Um, I had some really interesting questions from people. What was the most interesting? Yeah. Well, the most interesting one. But now there are some. There are kids in this novel. Um, Carol has three kids. Greg, who is fourteen, in in the and Sarah is twelve, and Caleb is eight. Those are the kids (laughs) she takes to camp. So. Greg and Sarah are, are her two older kids, and I got a question after my launch last night from the audience. From, and she said, "Who do you love more, Greg or Sarah?" Oh, <gasps> that is a good question. It was my daughter. It was. Oh, it was your daughter. daughter. Oh, so she it's awkward. Asking me this question because I have an older son, a son and a daughter, right? That's why you have to just say Kayla. Same question. She's forty-four years old. She's been asking me the same question for so many years. And she goes, I'm your favorite, right? I'm your favorite. So I knew that it was her. <laughs> I said, you know, you're trying to sneak it in that way, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give you an answer you want. I'm gonna give the same answer my mother gave, which gave made me crazy, which was I love you each in different ways. I hate that. Never, true. never satisfying, but that's what I did for my kids too. This is why I'm glad I was an only child, because I was like, I'm all you have. You have to love me. Well, and it's the opposite of what my sister and I used to do because we were both convinced that we were each other was our mother's favorite. We were both convinced the other one was. My mother's like, "What did I do wrong?" And we're like, "Probably everything." (laughs) But I agree with Jen. You should have said Caleb. Caleb, you're right. Caleb, the dog. Caleb, just yeah. Answer's always Caleb. It's Caleb, of course. (laughs) Well, and Deborah, so this this book sat in a box for thirty years. Are you writing something new now? And are you going to put it in a box for 30 years? No, because you know what? I'm not going to be, I may be in a box for 30 years. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we don't mean to cackle at death. Here, I know. Everyone. Cackling, We're like the, the witches of Eastwick here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no, I'm writing a memoir, a different genre, writing a memoir. And one of the nice things about this book was, you know, having to, sort of go back to the 60s and all of that, it jogged so many memories. Oh, yeah. And so I'm writing a memoir, but not about the same thing. 
I love well, it. Well, it's great. Once you open that door, all the memories just start parading out. So it's just catch them, throw them on paper, put them into a scene later, but just get them down there so you can start pulling them and forming them later. Vomit draft time. Vomit draft, vomit draft. Um, I love this. I hate to say this, but we are out of time. Oh. Deborah, you've been awesome. Thank, Thank you. you for being here. Um, and I'm sure scrolling underneath us has been your website this whole time, and it'll be in the show notes. And when people listen to this, just an audio, please know that Deborah wore a fox mask the whole interview. <laughs> no, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> just the beginning. She's <laughs> I am lying. That was my prank to you. Prank you. <laughs> to quote Allison's five-year-old son, prank you. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody... That was, it was it, not a prank. It was wonderful. So thank you. You were great. Thank you and we were so happy to have you. Everyone watching this, listening to it, go out and buy So Happy Together. Mm, book birthday. <laughs> your indie bookstore. And, or, yeah. Or, or Bookshop.org. I was going to say, with the distribution, you can find it in places other than that giant conglomerate that not everyone likes to patronize, which shall remain nameless. Just buy it wherever you buy books, but keep in mind that the indie bookstores have been our lifeline during this pandemic. And they need help and we need their help. And if there aren't bookstores, we don't have that magical experience of feeling the velvety book. book. (laughs) So thank you everybody who was watching this. Um, Thank you to everybody at the Global Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Thank you, Pam Stack, our executive producer, Roman Sorotin, our producer. Thank you, of course, to Allison Martine and Deborah K. Shepard, our guests and co-host. Uh, next week, we have Madeline Martin on. So same Vox time, same Vox channel. Uh, next week at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we will see you all then. <laughs>